with the scent of potpourri Films we commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you want to support us, uh, if you want to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much more. Um, we also have a Patreon shop, so if you don't want to do the membership route, you can go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer slash shop and buy uh, individual packages of uh, Patreon-exclusive content a la carte. And in addition to all of that, um, Patreon has a new like chat feature too. So if you're a member on Patreon, you can go into like little chat rooms, kind of like a Discord server that I got set up for different topics. So if you're on Patreon, go join the chat i guess i don't know how all it works i just started it yesterday but um anyway that's all at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer i'm your host matt hurt and you can find me on social media including letterboxd at obsessive viewer and today on the show we're going to be reviewing the new david gordon green movie the exorcist believer which is currently in theaters and we'll also be talking about the latest entry in the vhs series vhs 85 which is streaming on shutter and joining me today to do that is my friend and ifj uh colleague i forgot to put <laughs> forgot to put colleague in there so i just put uh is my friend and ifja uh brent Luth- luthold <laughs> so uh anyway uh brent luthold whose work can also be found on or can be found on awakenthedark.com uh and the awaken the dark podcast brent how is it going this evening and thank you for joining me of course yeah absolutely happy to be here again and discuss another uh vhs chapter yes scariest uh month of them all yes absolutely and uh yeah you were on last year um with our friend joe shearer uh where we talked about halloween ends and vhs 99 so um i was very excited at the prospect of uh basically uh, uh re redoing the yeah, so entire, it's another universal yeah. horror movie and another vhs yes. movie so another david gordon green um yeah. <laughs> legacy sequel potential trilogy movie oh yeah. but we'll we'll talk about in the review um but uh but before we get to all of that brent what have you been up to lately and uh what are some things that you have posted on the internets yeah, so uh, I uh, contribute to the Midwest Film Journal as well. Uh, they have a series in October called No Sleep October. Um, basically, they get a bunch of um, uh, people there on staff and, and guest writers uh, just writing about kind of various scary movies uh, that they they enjoy. And this is their 10th year doing it. And uh, I actually didn't know I was going to be kicking off the series, but uh, they, they posted uh, mine today for uh, the 2009 movie Trick or Treat, um, which uh, is... A, a movie that I've just kind of always enjoyed. It, it's sort of like one of those semi-annual, like tr- traditional ones or whatever, like every mm-hmm. other year or something. But uh, definitely one of those anthology movies that's just a lot of fun and really puts you uh, in the mood. So I, I kicked off uh, writing about that. Um, nice. Just had a review of uh, The Exorcist Reliever, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. 
up as well. Um, that's the main stuff. I haven't really been podcasting much. The last one I did was for Barbenheimer, which <laughs> oh yeah, was many a year ago. But also, um, that's a big event thing, so it, you need yeah. to decompress after podcasting about such a huge pivotal thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that even then, at that point, I think it had maybe been like at least a month before my previous. <laughs> I literally, and I had gotten into like a car wreck and all this, you know, this, all oh, this stuff, yeah. and I was like. I was like, I have to show up for this episode or I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> so honestly, any of the stuff after there hasn't mm. really been as big a uh, film event, um, save, you know, Saw Patrol. Um, yeah, yeah. Since then. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's all right. Nice. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get back to it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I look forward to it because I really enjoy the show. Um, Appreciate it. Thank you. Obviously, like I was going to make a joke when you said that, um, uh, it was a while after Barbenheimer that you did the episode and I was going to make some kind of joke about how you were still like you were part of the fallout of it. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But of course, the big, big main event that is happening this weekend um, mm-hmm. is the Eras Tour. Um, yeah. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Weird. Yeah. Which I guess Thanks, I guess she has Taylor. some kind of 13 thing or whatever that. There's a there better be some there. kind of zombie set. It's a two hour, 45 minute movie <laughs> slash concert or whatever, or a mm. movie, really. Uh, so there's got, they, if there isn't some kind of thriller homage or something, mm. you got to do something. Yeah. Because that's a real bummer. I mean, they made Exorcist move back, made <laughs> a, a move to the right. sixth because Jason Blum was literally nervous about how <laughs> it was going to affect uh, the Exorcist, which was probably a smart call. Honestly, honestly. yeah. I, I mean, you know. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I do have, I do have IMAX tickets to that at wow. the 6 p.m. on Friday, nice. which was difficult to get uh difficult yeah that was Um, the first time i've ever seen like amc's app be like hey you're in a queue to get to get just too into the app app. yeah jeez yeah Yeah. it was nuts and i think they tried to do the same thing with with beyonce Mm -hmm. with her film which is coming out i think in early december Mm. and i don't think it sold i think it probably did well certainly in terms of concert films, um, in terms of pre-sales, but I, I think they like overcorrected and they were like, yeah. they were like, well, it's 12 minutes until you can get into the app. And then it's like, it didn't really <laughs> merit that sort of crazy, right. you know, um, uh, gatekeeping. <laughs> but, uh, but regardless, I think both sold, uh, sold well. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much, uh, the Eras tour is already pre-sold and then who knows? I mean, it'll be, yeah. it's a weird thing to think of like, is that going to be something where, like, is that movie going to have legs? But mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to be crass. What okay. I mean is, oh yeah, like, yeah, is it is it something where everyone who pretty much already is interested in that movie has already bought tickets? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like you're either a Swifty or you're not. I think maybe. Although I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there are people who have seen who have gone to the concert multiple times, like, and right. they got tickets day one for for the movie i think that there is enough of a groundswell of support within that fandom that i think that there there are so many people that weren't able to see the see the concert that like the fact that they could i don't know how long they're going to show it in theaters but like they could pay 20 bucks to go see it i mean that's me and i tried to get tickets that's so bad because everyone thought people were like Oh my God, you're like a crazy toast. 
I'm not. I just like <laughs> I would see her. Mm-hmm. Like so, this was in. Um, this was last month. They announced. I think the Indianapolis. Oh yeah. This is November 2024. We're speaking in October of 23. Yep. I think they had announced tickets, and it was like basically a raffle to even get tickets. Right. And like I didn't even I didn't even clear that hurdle. <laughs> um. So I'm like, that's that's fine. Just it wasn't meant to be, and yeah. you know, uh, it's a love story, and you know, we're just mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> um. So I'm like, so that's fine. So I won't be able to see her in, in 14 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, at that point, no, so it, this must have been longer ago, because Era's tour, I think they announced the, the movie at the very end of August. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. so whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get like a ticket for that. Be at that point, I was like, I don't know what's even coming out. Yeah. And it would just kind of be fun to just see. Yeah. And then now it turns out like nothing is coming out this coming weekend. Right. So I actually like, reached out to my editor and I was like, <laughs> I mean, I can review this if you want. I don't typically <laughs> review concert films. Yeah. I mean, Stop Making Sense is just perfect. So there's really nothing for me to even review there. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then this, I'm just like, uh, you, I I don't typically review even a lot of documentaries, much less yeah. concert films. I don't know um, how you even go about reviewing that. And I mean, granted, like you, you know more about music than I do in general, but like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just like, okay, yeah. Uh, they filmed it. It was neat. Um, very yeah. bright. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee kids is the other one that Jonathan Demi did. Oh. Um, and, you know, like, you know, Martin Scorsese has done certainly some yeah. of the Rolling Stones. Like, I mean, you know, there's a precedent for, like, filmmakers really bringing something else to it. But mm-hmm. I don't know that I can write, like, a whole... I don't know. Um, yeah. And then, so, he, he was like, come on, man, you're better than that. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, but, like, you don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. literally, like, even Fair Play got moved. And that's on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Like, Jesus. everything got moved. Uh, so I, I found, it seems like the Royal Hotel might be opening this weekend, like mm-hmm. here, or it'll be POVD by the end of the month. So I figure either way, it looks cool. So, yeah. like, you know, it's a narrative it's... film. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> give that a shot. Yeah. Um, I saw somewhere that like, cause like I, I'm, I'm on TikTok. So follow me on TikTok at OV podcast, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm a TikTok boy as I like to call myself, but, um, but I've seen a lot of TikToks like or I saw like one where uh, a Taylor Swift fan was like, OK, so there's been a lot of confusion, fusion about like what the what it's going to be like in the theater. So like I contacted AMC and like we are allowed to like stand up and dance and sing along and everything. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I ca- like I kind of want to go see a movie that day, like time it to where it's like like near uh the same time because like that that's gonna be such a madhouse it is gonna be nuts well i'm like seriously like the other so like i'm seeing it at 6 p.m on that friday in the imax i think there's like a 9 30 or something later that night in the imax there's a ton of other screenings mm-hmm. for it that are not imax so like i don't even it's really i don't even know what other people are gonna be seeing like i mm-hmm. mean there's some other stuff out but yeah. i mean Barbenheimer's done and mm. you know I don't know like maybe there'll be some stuff out there but I honestly think the whole fear is going to be filled with Taylor Swift people so yeah. I, I don't really know yeah well one thing that they can see is the exorcist believer 
That's a good segue. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I had turning segue. Yes. Uh, So, yeah, we can go into, we can start kind of diving into the episode proper and everything. Um, I I will say that I did not get a chance to read your Trick or Treat essay yet, but I am very eager to because that movie is one of of my, like, go-to, like, Halloween, Shocktober, spooky season movies. Like, it, I, I would say that, Outside of like the original Halloween, I don't know if there is a movie that I've seen that just captures that like like autumn in the Midwest feel than right. Trick or Treat. Like it is just it is it is just so exact, so perfect for that. Um, and yeah. it's a really fun movie. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah. And for the first time in uh, a handful of years, I went into a spirit Halloween um, recently and just seeing all of the Sam like uh, like uh, merchandise and everything. I was just like, uh, I, I noted that in my write up. I was like, I swear I, this is not like Mandela effect. I swear I've seen this kid around mm-hmm. more and more. And I love it. It's great. Oh, me it's too. It's a cool cause. Like a cool idea. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, very, uh, excited to rewatch that and to read your essay. Um, yeah, so The Exorcist, let's dive into our reviews tonight. Um, The Exorcist Believer, uh, of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler and spoiler review. Uh, check the show notes for timestamps. Show notes can be found at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV399, which is also, this is the 399th episode. That is nuts. I'm going to have to plan something remotely special for 400. I'm not sure what, uh, what I'll do, but we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, but, um, yeah, so we the the show notes are there also in the podcast app, but uh we will give a warning when we go into spoilers. So, uh to give an overview, The Exorcist Believer is uh the first and possibly a trilogy. It's it's kind of up in the air now, I think, which we can talk yeah. about, but um it's basically David Gordon Green, Blumhouse Productions, Universal, they are doing this kind of same thing they did with Halloween. They're doing a trilogy of legacy sequels 50 years after the original uh, Exorcist. Um, the premise per IMDb is when two girls disappear into the wor- wor- woods. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to take that again. When two girls disappear into the woods and return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, the father of one girl seeks out Chris McNeil, who's been forever altered by what happened to her daughter 50 years ago. Uh, the movie is, of course, directed by David Gordon Green. Writers are David Gordon Green and Peter Sattler, with Scott Teams and Danny McBride having story credits. And the cast includes Ellen Burstyn, Leslie Odom Jr., uh, Ann Dowd, Norbert, Leo Butts, Jennifer Nettles, Olivia o- O'Neill, and Lydia Jewett. So, Brent, let's dive in. And, and first, if we can kind of go about our... Uh, like overview of our relationship with the exorcist as a franchise. Like, were you a fan of the original movie and have you seen any or all of the sequels? Yeah. Big fan of the original. Um, that's one that I would say I kind of revisit every like few years. It's weird because, and we can talk about this, like the exorcist, I don't like, it's definitely a horror movie. It's a scary Mm. movie, but I don't like, it's not a Halloween movie to to me at least because it's such like, it's such in a way like serious 
material, if that makes any sense. Like, it, I should say, it's almost a lot of the stuff that I really like about the original is more of, like, the human, like, the character drama stuff and not as much of the, like, oh, Regan or Pazuzu or whatever is, like, a big, bad, scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of an interesting, like, the legacy, or at least I guess maybe my perception of it, is that it, it it is a scary movie. I know that William Friedkin intended it to be and everything, but I, I know he intended it to be uh to be more regardless, it it's you know, it's um it's a very well made movie that I do enjoy going back to mm-hmm. um from time to time. I have not seen any of the sequels. Um the third one I, I think is the one I maybe well see I don't like doing that. I don't really like jumping around sequels. So I think mm-hmm. at some point and I think around this time I was like eh, maybe I'll just see it two and three. And then I was like, nah, it's all right. Like, we'll just jump into this because I don't think it treats those as canon anyway. So, um, you know, in the classic legacy sequel fantasy formula, it's just like, eh, you know, don't everything's different now. So um, I didn't see those. I know Paul Schrader, I think the Dominion, like a prequel or something. Was that Paul Schrader? I thought, well, see, I might be there was there's two other ones that aren't numbered. There's one that's called Dominion and Dominion and. I can't remember I think, what the other one is called. I think Paul Schrader did one of them. Um, but regardless, I haven't seen any of those. There's, I guess, four other sequels mm-hmm. that, that you know, came out after the 73 original. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of went in with this one just kind of thinking, like, well, I don't... To be honest, I wasn't super stoked just because I don't think any of the sequels... The third one, I think, is kind of the most well-received, but, like... Even that one, I don't think anyone thinks like that's better than the first Exorcist or anything like right. that. So I don't think any of the sequels, <laughs> even with that one, are like, oh, yeah, it really captures the original. Like, it's even better or whatever. Right. Uh, so I think mainly on the basis of that, I didn't have super high hopes for Believer. Okay, that is fair. And uh, it's a Dominion prequel to The Exorcist in 2005 mm-hmm. was Paul Schrader's. Um, that that combination of like that and dominion or uh, uh not dominion but that's the that one um, i think there's one called exorcist the beginning the beginning yes yeah both have stellan skarsgård i think it's a weird thing where they basically shot them there was a rights issue or something i'm not sure exactly what the deal was okay. but it's it's a weird thing where they both came out um and it, it it's it's very strange um but um uh yeah there's a yeah, whole like, stuff. i think warners did the first one but then after that i know this is one of those where like it's it jumps yeah, around basically writes limbo sort of thing yeah then, yeah yeah i will say that i so so i have seen the original exorcist maybe a couple of times i haven't seen it since 2007 and i didn't get around to revisiting it before believer but um i had seen it a couple of times and that movie I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that it's 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 kind of a more serious subject matter. So that kind of, I guess, I guess undercuts the horror aspect of it. It's not like a traditional horror movie in that respect. And my main takeaway, like my main thing uh, with The Exorcist is like the anecdote that I said on Patreon and, and I've said before on the podcast, I'm sure, is that I watched it for the first time when I was a teenager in like, it was like probably 2004. and it was, I, I shared a room with my brother. My brother was going to sleep. He had to wake up early because he was going on some kind of trip. 
So I was like, I'm, I want to, I want to stay up and watch movies. So I took out my laptop, watched, and I, I think I had just bought, like blind bought the Exorcist box set or something. So I watched the Exorcist and like had headphones in, was watching it just glued to the screen of my laptop. And like that immersive kind of experience just made me feel very uneasy and just uncomfortable, like in a, in a good way. Like it really got under my skin. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was that was a that was a pretty interesting experience and I was definitely into it and everything and then as I've grown up and as I've as I've like just gotten older and everything like I am just so tired of any like possession exorcism storyline. Mm-hmm. Um like there are some that are good, there are some that are just god awful and some that are just passable but for the most part, it just seems like every single entry in that type of genre storytelling, whether it be book, movie, or TV show, is always in the shadow of The Exorcist. Because I feel like mm. that's the one that did it the best and most effective. Um, having said that, I do remember liking The Exorcist 3. I haven't seen it in probably before 2007, actually, probably 2004. Um, and I've seen the others, but I have no memory of them, except the exorcist 2 was pretty much unwatchable i think it was just not i don't mean to quiz you on it but is the idea with that that it's reagan grown up or something i think it's her slightly older she's still like she's like a preteen in that in that movie and there was was like linda blair i know is in it and she's like on the cover so yeah there's there's this really i don't i have no idea if this was the intention uh to for the audience or whatever but like i think she might be like between 13 and 16 in the the exorcist 2 but i remember there's like a scene where i think chris takes her to like a psychiatrist or a like a doctor or something mm. and then like the can like it's so it's i don't it's gross it's gross but like they're talking to her and they have her like hooked up to like machines with like, like pads on her, on her uh, head and everything. Uh-huh. And then there's like a very extended sequence of the doctor just like holding her breast. Like it's and it's, it's way, it lingers way too long if, from what I remember. And it's like, yeah, that's like, that's not, it was, it was, it it made me very uncomfortable. I didn't like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's my memory of that. Um. And the two prequels, sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. Still in Skarsgård, hanging out in caves. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I haven't seen that. That's just based on my <laughs> yeah. recollection of the trailers. I think. <laughs> I think that that is actually pretty close. Yeah. yeah. Um. You like that? You like that Iraq prologue and the fifteen prologue in the first one? About yep. two movies of that, baby. Yep. I will say just on on the subject of like kind of prepping for this, I Mm -hmm. didn't actually end up watching uh, The Exorcist, but I ended up Mm -hmm. watching uh, Leap of Faith, which is a documentary that came out a few years ago uh, with the recently recently deceased um, William Friedkin. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know, like I knew it was just a documentary about the making of Exorcist, but it's literally, this documentary Leap of Faith is literally just William Friedkin sitting in a chair being interviewed for an hour 45. Oh, wow. Just, and he's, I say interviews, interviewed mm. if you ever see like william freaking he does not need to be interviewed no. <laughs> <laughs> that dude talks and i mean and it's funny because yeah. aubrey was on her on her phone the whole time and she was uh like at first um even before he was on the screen he just starts talking and uh she's like 
why is Donald Trump talking about the exorcist? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's, Oh, that's amazing. Not him. Maybe it is. I haven't seen this documentary. Oh, no, it's William Friedkin. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, it's one of those, I mean, he, look, he's like, you know, it made some incredible films. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's such a fun personality. He's one of those guys that just, he's so confident. I think that was the one thing, um, watching that movie that that's what's so cool about it's like people talk about like the golden age in the seventies, like there were just these like hockey directors who just yes. came in and just pushed the studios and did their thing. And he was 100% one of those dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. I mean, it, it I mean, the, the film stands alone, but even hearing him talk about it and there's stuff where he's just like, I don't know why I did that. I just did it. Cause that's <laughs> what I want. It was 50 years. I mean, at that point it would have been 45 years ago. Yeah. Um, Did but it is kind of it's it, it, for the documentary for me is more just like an interesting portrait of mm-hmm. when directors just kind of roll the roost, and mm, so yeah. it was kind of a neat throwback for me nice. uh, on that. But uh, but a lot of a lot of cool info on okay, um, it's just too. So yeah, I was gonna uh, ask just as well. I should say yeah, okay. Like, did it? Did does he address or does it? Is it brought up the um the, the injury that Ellen Burstyn had in The Exorcist, like? She had no. like some kind of back injury or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. I doesn't bring it up. He doesn't talk about like the sequels. Mm. I'm sure. I mean, I, whoever the director or whoever's interviewing him, I, I'm sure they have like certain questions to sort of guide yeah. him. Um, it was pretty free form, but yeah, okay. they, they didn't, he, it wasn't anything too like, uh, Investigative there wasn't journalism. anything about it that was super, um, uh, revelatory. Like, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. yeah. Revelatory or even like, controversial i think okay. it's pretty much just him talking about the experience of making it and again a lot of cool info a lot nice. of it's a really cool kind of like reminder the the uh, documentary de palma oh okay you know, where, where that's a lot of him really just talking through his filmography mm-hmm. um except this was <laughs> this was an hour 45 of him talking about one movie instead of you know Jesus. 10 or whatever <laughs> yeah so that's yeah. awesome i'll have to yeah. seek that out yeah yeah it's on amc um, plus Let okay me Nice. Yes. So for the two people who have AMC Plus, <laughs> you, <laughs> you <and me>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um nice. So uh so the Exorcist Believer, we um are gonna review it in non-spoilers. Um how did like what were your expectations going in and like how did it sit with you when you were in the theater? Like what what was your experience and and how did you feel about it overall? I had seen the trailer, I think, just like a few times. I don't go out of my way to watch trailers. So I, I had mm. seen it a few times just sort of in the theater. And they play like tubular bells and everything. And I think I kind of got the sense, even from watching the trailer, that what they're essentially doing is like, this is terrible, but like the David Gordon Greenification of like another <laughs> horror franchise. Like, mm-hmm. so that's the thing with like his Halloween movies is, you know, Universal decides they plan this trilogy. David Gordon Green's going to do all of it. Um, you know, I, for, I get, it was a different, it, what I liked about that is that it was, you know, one director, they planned the trilogy, they had an idea for all of it. Like the individual movies, I don't really, it's, they didn't really gel for me, but, Mm -hmm. but uh, again, I really, really appreciate that they, uh, like other, unlike other sequels from other franchises that I won't name where they actually (laughs) have like a vision for how stuff was going to be carried out. They did it within, I think four years or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So there wasn't, you know, so I think something like that. So regardless, like 
don't know, there wasn't a ton of downtime. They kind of got in and got out and, and, and told the story that they wanted to tell. So I really, yeah. I appreciated that. But then when we get into this, I didn't know, like, prior to, like, in the trailer or any of that time before this came out, that they were planning on doing a whole trilogy with this. Oh, interesting. I was like, I, okay. I knew that they were going to, you know, I knew that they were, like, going to gonna amp up tubular bells and try to mm-hmm. make, um, you know, two new Regans instead of one. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> there are two possessed girls now. <laughs> what um, if the so Exorcist kinda, I had those girls. sequel sort of, like, I could get that from the trailer that that's what they were doing. Yeah. Halloween release, or, you know, October release and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. I For me, I even not having seen any of the sequels, I was just like, again, that, and that's what a lot of my criticism with the movie, I mean, I guess I'll, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't like the movie overall. I, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's some stuff in it that I, I think especially that first half, there's definitely some watchable stuff, even though it definitely gets pretty dull maybe around the middle part especially yeah um but i think in some ways it's better um god i don't want to say better than i expected (laughs) i don't want to say better than it needed to be because i don't really don't i really don't like that but i i would just generally say that um my biggest problem with it is this movie i think just misunderstands what makes the exorcist work? I think yeah. it really, it's, it's a very shallow reading of the exorcist. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way I would, there are reworking of the, of the exorcist. Cause there's so much overlap with the first one, not just in terms of broad strokes, like mm-hmm. a lot of really specific quotation. Um, I mean, literal quotation and then, you know, yeah. scene quotation, uh, from the original to the point where it's just like, we're not even adding anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stuff that's being added isn't really new. It just sort of seems like it. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where I, I landed on it. I was, I, there was a point, I think in the first half hour where I was like, this could work. Like I haven't seen any of the yeah. extra sequels. Like maybe this will do it, you yeah. know, like maybe this will kind of get there. Um, and then it just doesn't, it turns into let's, well, this is the checklist. This is what everyone wants to see. Yep. Like, this is what we're, it's <laughs> like, you know, the, the, the yeah. beds are, are going to be wet and, you know, we're, we're we know we're going to do the. I mean, the scene, the biggest scene in the trailer that's, I guess, would, would stand as maybe the newest thing in this movie is the, the you know, the body and the blood thing. Where, yeah. You know, she says that going down the, the, the aisle and she's covering the, the yeah. Blind. So anyway. Like um, that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of the same. I was, I don't know what I was expecting. And, and I know that I went in, I went into Halloween 2018. I went into that movie with like expectations specifically because i love the halloween franchise and especially that first Mm -hmm. movie so i went into that movie with that kind of baggage and i enjoyed the movie for the most part and i enjoyed that whole trilogy um for the most part it has its ebbs and flows but it it was very solid and, and interesting and a hell of a lot better than anything rob zombie could have possibly done because jesus christ but um with the exorcist believer, like I knew that he was, I knew that there, the plan was to do the same thing they did with Halloween, make a trilogy, make it a legacy sequel. And I didn't have that baggage or anything. I didn't have that like history with this franchise. Cause I've seen the movies, but they didn't, they don't, I, they don't hold a candle to like Halloween or any number of other horror franchises. Mm. So watching this, 
the baggage that I did bring to this movie, in addition to bringing snacks that the security guard uh, uh, politely asked me to make sure I threw away when I was done. Um, <laughs> and I have I have a whole there was a whole thing like it was an off duty police officer and he was like saying like, hey, just so you know, if you could throw it away. And I was like, OK, yeah. Um, and then. And then he said, like, in my head, this is this is the this is the fantasy that I had. But he was like, what are you seeing? And then in my head, I, I like what I said was the exorcist. But what I wanted to say was, oh, I'm seeing the fucking warrant. You have to ask me that. Um, <laughs> you would have said the balls on this. kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> so dumb. But uh, but no, the baggage that I did bring into this movie is that possession movies, exorcist movies, they are just stuff that I have grown out of. I'm not that interested in it. And I don't think that there is a way to really tell that type of story in a unique way unless you go far unique with it. Like there are certain ones mm -hmm. that are interesting and everything, but you you have to really think outside the box. And what this movie does, in addition to boring the life out of me for the most part, <laughs> is it feels very like like your words are 100 percent. This is the perfect word. It feels like a shallow uh, kind of take on The Exorcist. And mm -hmm. it felt like such a by the numbers ex exorcism story. It honestly felt like to me that they like the movie is long for the for the mm -hmm. genre it's a, it's like two hours and one minute long mm -hmm. and it felt like they had to cut some like they it felt like they had to cut significant things to get to that like mm -hmm. there are whole like motivations that don't really come across that well um that really should and there is not enough time spent on like supporting characters leading up to the finale the legacy sequel aspect of this is one of the just most boring and drab utilizations of like legacy characters that i've seen in this type of movie it mm -hmm. is it is just so lifeless and and dull um and it just it, yeah for how yeah. little ellen burson is actually in this the mm -hmm. problem is to get her character in and do the stuff that she needs to do, mm -hmm. it does end up taking a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. Even though it doesn't feel like she's in it very much. No. Um, I should have looked this up, but I, I think she was the actress who she was nominated for an Emmy. This was like a long time, mm. like 15 years ago for like a performance that she was in in a TV show for like 45 seconds or something oh wow i don't and know if i, I haven't that. seen a review of this movie that has called back to that but i i, I forgot <laughs> to put it in my review not that anyone would know or care about that reference but i was like yeah she's in this a little longer i guess <laughs> um but um anyway that you're you're absolutely right that th this is one of the more just like eye rolling um whatever cameo bring them back you yeah. know and I think I saw some, I mean, of course, all this stuff, all this stuff always ends up coming out the weekend of the movie oh, yeah. or like, you know, always the justification to like why it didn't do well. Right. And she was like, I, I told them like, hell no at first, and, right. you know, whatever. And <laughs> I'm sure it was a back and forth, but mm -hmm. you know, everyone has their price. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I she's fine in it. That's not the problem. Yeah. That's never the problem. It's never the, not honestly never, but it's, mm -hmm. it's not the like actors 
fault. She wouldn't have to do very right. much in this movie. No. It, it, it's the idea that you're bringing her back just to bring people in the theater. And it's yeah. not, you're not organically bringing this into the story. You're just right. doing it to, to shoehorn it back in. Yeah. And it's under, like, this is one of the more sloppy examples of, like, characters reaching out to a character from the original uh, for guidance and everything. And yeah, it is, yeah, yeah like, it, I, I'm so glad that that worked in Scream 5. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. just so glad that David Arquette had his moments in that movie because to see it not work in a movie like this is... It's just so, uh, it, it sticks out like a sore, sore thumb. Um, and I wonder how much of that is like with Halloween, like obviously Laurie Strode was a central character in those movies and everything. So I wonder had they made Ellen Burstyn more pivotal or if they had brought in Linda Blair for like a full on starring role in it, would it be better? But then also that is just asking a question. If this movie was an entirely different movie, would it be better? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we will never know. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right in that Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, even before, you know, winning an Oscar, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I guess earlier this year, like she was more game for that. Like clearly, yeah. like I'm not saying she like co-wrote the script, but she but, clearly had more involvement in it. Yeah. They, they make the trilogy in a large part about her mm-hmm. um, and about something, which is important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. And it's funny. So you bring, bring up scream and like Halloween. So it's, it's so funny. Cause you, you talk about possession movies. I, I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan either. Some of there's certain ones that we watched exorcism of Everly Rose, I think maybe earlier this month. And mm-hmm. that's a not good movie, but it's <laughs> interesting in how it's not good because it basically is like, what if a, it's like a peanut butter and chocolate with a possession movie and a courtroom drama. Um, and it's like, <laughs> are you sure? Um, so Jesus. that's a weird one. Um, yeah. Interesting to see like Laura Linney and other like actors, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, now 15 years younger than right. they are now. But anyway, um, like that, that's the thing is like, there is not a Mount Rushmore for exorcism movies. Right. There is a statue of Liberty and it's the yes. exorcist. Yep. Um, Whereas there is a Mount Rushmore for slasher movies. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, yeah. right? You got your four yeah. right there. Oh, yeah. So like, and and there have been other slasher movies that have done things differently, that have filled out the genre more. Yeah. I agree with you that that's kind of the problem with the possession movies. There just hasn't been anything that's done it uh, nearly as well as, mm-hmm. as The Exorcist. So when you run into this, it's like, well, you're not even you're not there there's not enough there <laughs> right just, there's not enough of a genre there, yeah in my view short honestly. short of having russell crowe on a vespa there's nothing there's nothing to make a, an exorcist movie innovative um yeah so. that's the thing i mean yeah pope's exorcist like that is somehow i mean it's campy yeah so I, you have that and even I that, mean, yeah, I, that's better than this movie. It for is. Sure. It's it's not that that's the better movie with the with the word exorcist. In it, <laughs> here, no yeah, and you like know. I even say that, even admitting like the Pope's Exorcist has those same flaws, those same like kind of cliched flaws um, and formulaic flaws that are inherent with Exorcist, like as a subgenre. Um, right. And one of my big things with exorcist movies and it's a bias that i bring into the movie 
with me. Like I can, I can set aside my own personal beliefs or disbeliefs and everything. That's not the problem. The problem is that I would say 9.99 times out of 10, it always comes, comes out that like the end of the movie is always just dudes yelling at possessed people with books like it just seems like Mm. it's just not as big of a big finisher for me in the in the kind of skeleton of of the um subgenre and that's the inherent flaw that's the reason why i don't connect to it uh, essentially like the big game in a baseball movie like yeah it's like there are ways you can do the big game well and poorly (laughs) But if you, if that doesn't work for you, the big game in terms of the possession <laughs> yeah. movie, then yeah, you're, you're going to pack up your ball and go home. Yeah, I, I get it. I, yeah. I totally get it. And, you know, there's certain, like, for <laughs> me, it's more of like a, it's a flavor, right? Like, so mm-hmm. there are horror movies I know that have implemented, like, like the Conjuring series, for instance, yeah. Sinister, Insidious, like those, there's sort of, there's sort of demonic possession. Like, mm-hmm. They're sort of playing with that as a, as a color. But it's not the whole thing. Yeah. I think when you go hard in the paint and that is your thing, then again, you have to bring some. And that's what this movie, like when I say it is the most promising, like, so I'll I'll just like, Leslie Odom Jr. is like, I thought it was when I saw him in the trailers, I'm like, that dude's really talented. Like, what is, what is he doing? Kind of like slumming yeah. it here, honestly, is kind of what I was thinking. But I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, whatever, maybe he wanted to do to just do a horror movie or something. Yeah. But then seeing this movie, I'm like, this dude is awesome. Like, I, I just think he's, he's just a terrific actor. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just, again, I'm watching the movie and even more thinking as I'm watching the movie, like, <laughs> what is he doing here? Now he's doing a good job. Like he is literally doing the, you know, concerned single father trying to bond with his daughter, you know, and bridge that gap. Like he's literally doing that role. I think about as well as you possibly can. Yeah. So I, I think he is at no fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the, um, the actress who plays, um, his daughter, I think mm-hmm. is, is good as well. That's why like that early on the idea that there's a prologue about basically how he has to, this is the, I don't even know if this is it a spoiler in the first 10 minutes. No. His, his, his wife died on their, their honeymoon. He had to choose between basically his wife and his daughter, he picks the, mm-hmm. the daughter. And so they have that kind of bond. So like, again, that's where it's like, okay, like, all right, like I can, I can go with that. And again, yeah. you get some, you know, good, good dialogue. You get a good foundation with them. Like, I was like, all right, like, let's see, let's see where it goes. You know I mean? I know where it's going to go in terms of yeah. disaster with the friend, <laughs> but like, you know, what, what are we going to kind of do with him? How is he going to get through this? Because Again, that, that, that to me, you know, The Exorcist, the, the original one, it's not about Reagan. I yeah. mean, it's kind of about it's it's about Chris, but it's it's actually Father Care. It's like he's the mm-hmm. main character in that movie. There's a priest kind of character in this movie, like <laughs> oh my god, that is such an afterthought. <laughs> oh my, god. It, that that made me angry. Like I That's, was, we're gonna have to angry. talk about that spoiler, well, absolutely. It's so like what? Jesus <laughs> Christ, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One yeah. of the big one of the big failings that I found in this movie in terms of it being that kind of two two kid possession movie is that the movie kind of flirts with this idea of uh Leslie Odom Jr.'s character being kind of a skeptic and not not having faith or anything, and then Catherine's parents being uh devout Christians. 
and having those conflicting like ideologies kind of come up a little bit in terms of parenting and how they how both like those parents and Leslie Odom Jr. deal with this situation. But like everything else in this movie, that is like a very light thing that happens. I would have loved if this movie just went full bore into that and examined like how these two these two sets of parents parent this supernatural situation um, and make that this big thing of conflict between Leslie Odom Jr. and Catherine's parents. But like everything else, they just kind of left it on the table. And I just, I don't know. I just, I was very bummed by that. Um, Well, because that you, you've pointed out what, quite frankly, like a good exorcist sequel would be. Yeah. Like that is what the movie that, that the exorcist is about. I mean, there's two, you know, priests in it. Mm-hmm. It's about a crisis of faith. That's yeah. what the whole movie is really about. There's, it's about seeing evil in this world mm-hmm. that you can't reckon with. Yeah. And, and what do you do? And, and, and when, you know, how much of it do you let enter you and change you? You know, I mean, and again, I mean, the thing you're talking about, like, so that's that you're right. That's a good subtext of this movie about how there's kind of this subtext of that. I, for me, it was a little cloying by the end, I would say, mm-hmm. but this idea of like, Hey, we're all different religions, like agnostics and Presbyterians <laughs> and like people who practice like, um, I'm sorry. Like, like I don't want to say voodoo, but mm. there, there's some of that. I don't want to be regardless. Yeah. This sort of coexists like yeah. a bumper sticker. Yes. It's a very coexist <laughs> movie where it's like, hey, we're all just trying to get through this together, man. Right. And like, there's a little dabble to you with that for me where I was like, okay. And again, that's kind of where you were talking about where mm. that would be like, look, there's some sentiment with that that might be a little cloying for me but if it's well written that could be interesting because again that's about characters and that's about um you know that that's about them you know potentially running into each other changing each other Mm -hmm. that sort of thing but you're right it's this is not a movie that ultimately cares about those things it pretends to oh absolutely it feels like and i don't want to i don't want to keep comparing it to to david gordon green's halloween but I, I think it's apt because well, they, yeah, they, yeah. that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> right? yeah. But, and I don't know, like I haven't read anything or seen anything that he's said about either either movie really, but mm-hmm. it just feels like the the energy here versus the energy in Halloween feels like it is, it feels like the person at the helm of both of those movies. It feels like that person has a strong affinity for the Halloween franchise and took an assignment to make an exorcist movie right like that and that just comes through so much in this movie because there is not there is not a feeling of like there's not there doesn't even really have that feeling of fan service built in that's like that's an easy low-hanging fruit thing to hit with a legacy sequel but even then like we don't really hear the music until the end of the movie i think um even then, like me not having much of a connection uh, to the Exorcist, I was like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm liking hearing this music and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it just well, yeah. the the thing that I feel like has probably been talked about in a lot of think pieces that I haven't read is that the Exorcist, <laughs> like, of course, the reason there has been all these sequels is because made it a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But people saw that first movie 
1973, it made over $400 million in 1973, which by today's standards is $6.2 trillion. Um, I just did a quick calculation. And so like, Jesus, but the thing is like it, I, I didn't live in 1973 quite my mm-hmm. understanding from what the, take uh, the box office of that movie is you talk about like fan base it's such a weird thing for me to think of a fan base with exorcist but yeah. you're right that's how universal <laughs> is thinking of it mm-hmm. people went to see this movie because it was transgressive mm-hmm. like it was really disturbing it's like passion of the christ like it's literally yeah. like having you know and i know bell gibson is working on a sequel that may or may mm-hmm. not happen but it would be like hey man play the hits from pra- passion of the christ mel it's right like, what uh, I'm going to make a movie like I'm going to make <laughs> yeah. the movie I want to make. But like, I'm not there's no fan service here. Mm. Like, yeah, that movie made a lot of money. Yeah, I'm sure they begged him for many years to do something. And honestly, I think he's probably doing it just I'm, he'll probably get paid what he gets paid. But I don't think it's just about the money. I think he wants to make it. But mm. regardless, like this is a movie that made a lot of money because people were really curious about it. Mm-hmm. But like, it's like Blair Witch is another example. It's like they made sequels yeah. to that. And, you know, of course they were both, I, I think I haven't seen Book of Shadows. I did see Blair mm. Witch was just not good, but yeah, like same. It's, it's like, it's, it's a classic, like Hollywood misunderstanding, like why a movie does well and yes. responding to it poorly. <laughs> yes. And like, even the legacy of the exorcist, that's like, even with the box office like that, like you said, it is, it is kind of a, um, people saw it cause they were curious, but like yeah. the enduring, um, legacy of the exorcist is born or is living and thriving in like the horror community. It's not like a wide, like general audience franchise right. by any stretch. Um, so there's also that to consider and yeah, and it's, it's not like, it's not like Halloween where you have a boogeyman at the center of it. You have like deep, dark, religious, de- demonic possession. Like that's not like no one's going as Pazuzu or whatever the demon's called <laughs> uh, for Halloween 50 years yeah. after the movie came out. Um, <clears throat> that would be the original Reagan. Like there's a lot. There's oh, a lot yeah, there. that's true. You could yeah. either help me. You could do it, but you, you don't see people do it. No. Oh, no. <laughs> it doesn't have the long-lasting cultural impact of, say, Sam from Trick or Treat. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, that's the thing is, like, people need to, I think people understand this, but, like, people mm. need to remember, like, 50 years ago, like, it's still shocking, but, like, yeah, this, the images that they show in that movie, like, you know, a 12 year old girl like yes you know, with a bloody mm. crucifix you know I yeah don't, whatever like honestly kind of and, forgot and about like, that and so all the that. language like a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. was really 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 tough yeah like, people had not heard that or seen that stuff before right. whereas now sorry like you know we've seen that stuff in, in, in probably other exorcist movies and yeah. this other movie so you know True. you got to you got to that's not going to shock people anymore. A good movie right. would shock people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good movie with something to say. And this just feels yes. like it's, it's neither. Um, yeah, that's a great point. This is a movie with, with really nothing to say, nothing yeah. to add to what shouldn't really even be a franchise. No, in my view. I agree. Know. Uh, do you want to dive into spoilers, uh, for the, we got to talk about the priest in this movie. We do Jesus Christ. Cause no, cause <laughs> no one did. <laughs> no one. <laughs> else we have to talk about yes yes. probably some good stuff in the in the in the final showdown but yeah Yeah. other than yeah that i yeah yeah (laughs) yep all right well we're gonna go into spoilers uh brent what did you end up rating the exorcist believer um two out of five 
Same here. Or four out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> same yeah. here. Same here. I don't know why I always um, think to ten. I don't know why <laughs> that's always the thing, even though it's five stars mm. on Letterboxd, up to five. Yeah. But, uh, I was yeah. always resistant to do five stars. I always wanted it to be out of ten, because I think because of IMDb, really. But uh, then Letterboxd came and changed everything for me. Um, so Let's hope it stays around forever. Oh God, yes, forever and I ever. Hope so, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and go into spoilers for The Exorcist. Believer, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be spoiling The Exorcist. Believer. What did you say? I didn't say nothing. Thought I heard you say something. Hey, baby. You okay? Those girls went through, brought something back with them. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so spoilers on for The Exorcist Believer. Uh, Brent, let's talk about the priest. Now, in exorcism movies and exorcism fiction, the priest is a pivotal character, and it is... <laughs> so yes. important you're russell to... crowes for instance yes you're <laughs> russell crowes um so how did you feel about priest uh i don't even know his name in this movie <laughs> i think his name is father priest <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this dude shows up probably i don't know like end of the second act it feels like mm -hmm. And he's in the room with, you know, other people like members of the diocese or something. And they're basically like, like we, you know, we kind of like can't approve this or like, we're going to have to send it up the ladder. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know. And this whole thing. And basically the, the long and short of it is he shows up to the house of the two girls and, you know, their parents and all that. And basically says, I can't. Mm -hmm. do it i don't have authorization blah 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 yeah. uh which we all love that we love to see that in an exorcism movie <laughs> yeah. um which like and all the other stuff in this movie is again uh, i mean word spoilers don't really matter but yeah. you know all of the literally all of the other stuff of like excuse me one of the girls you know what's herself mm -hmm. one of the girls you, you know one of the girls is like yeah, well both of them like their skin's getting gross the fingernails yeah. like they're like decrepit um whatever there's uh that's the thing is like boy it's just <laughs> it's it's tough to talk about but the church scene like they god they uh there's like a quick intercut of one of like the daughters um you know touching herself inappropriately mm. under a dress and like this is like a classic thing in the movie and i know this so god this sounds really crass but it's like again they're just doing that because that's what the first movie did. Like you yeah. could literally show other ways in which they're being possessed. Mm -hmm. Why not do different things? Like, again, that's why I mentioned the body and the blood thing in the trailer. I don't know that there's a direct analog to that mm -hmm. in the original exorcist, but like that is in the trailer. Like it is the main centerpiece of that yeah. trailer. So it's like, again, nothing about that is new. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> getting back to uh, Father Priest. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, he gets like stopped at the door, basically. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't do it. He's literally in the car. Like, in the yeah. car. It's so stupid. It's so the, dumb. The other parents, <laughs> are the parents are like, along with Ann Dowd, who she's a, a nurse. That's, she's sort of like the surrogate mom. It ends up sort of being. 
yeah. like the four of them and they're like we got to do this together and blah 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 all this stuff and so they do and then and then so he just shows up he walks in the door and it is such i know this has been pointed out in other reviews but it is such an mcu <laughs> like really avengers is. like captain marvel showing up in yeah. in endgame is really what it is because it's like what, what are you doing like you should have been here the whole time yeah something and so so he shows up and you're like all right we're gonna get some stuff done yeah nope he gets connected about uh, is that is becca snapped in like like seriously five minutes oh yeah he oh yeah starts he hits the Bible hard, hits it with vengeance. And by the way, the parents are doing pretty well up to that point. Yeah. So it is a classic, like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, um, if they had developed him a little bit before that, like, that sure. could have been a pretty, pretty fun misdirect. Like, that could have been really yeah. interesting if they would have devoted a little bit of time to actually show his, you know, anything, any facet of his character. But right it just that would have been more effective um but yeah it just it ugh, yeah as is like just again if i am going if i'm into this movie going with whatever like the lore or whatever of how these movies work it doesn't make sense to me that four randos would be able to handle like these two daughters yeah. or the, the two demons that infect these two daughters mm -hmm. and then a man of the cloth comes in starts reading from the Bible and then gets his neck snapped. It's like, I, I don't understand how any of this works then. Yeah. Like, I don't understand oh, how neither. this world works. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, like, that goes back to, for me, it goes back to, like, just general possession movies and stuff. Because, like, even back right. in the original The Exorcist, like, Reagan doing the whole, like, twirling her head in a 360, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, okay how like even without the demon like when the demon's gone how is she still alive like how like how physically does she exist when that happens to her physical body but that's a digression but yeah if i can translate this to the mcu because that's just you got to do that these days yeah it would be like captain america iron man thor <laughs> and the hulk beating up you know thanos and ultron or whatever mm -hmm. and then hank pym comes in and like <laughs> starts beating the crap out of it it would be yeah. like that it would be what what it's like the, <laughs> the opposite of that where it's like this dude should be like the balls right now yeah and so <sighs> if they were trying to do some i don't think they were i think it was fan no. service to they wanted someone's neck to go uh, yep. 180 degrees around and totally totally agree and just um yeah and in addition to that, one of one of my biggest issues with it was that I I appreciate what they're doing in terms of the slow burn of the like first hour is mostly mm -hmm. just uh is is Leslie Odom Jr. is his character's name Victor? I think it's yeah. Victor. Yeah. Victor mm -hmm. and Angela, mm -hmm. their, you know, their life and and the aftermath of well, I'm um, aftermath of losing losing uh uh, his spouse and everything like they deal with that and they build it up and everything. But then when you get to like, I mean the, like the trip into the woods with the two girls, like we don't see them get possessed. We don't see them get taken or anything. And it's just so, it's so vanilla. It is so just shallow and by the numbers. It's like, okay, we're going to do this because you want to talk to your mother um, so we're going to do this and then cut to, oh, they're missing. Like, 
okay, maybe maybe do something, do something to make it more energetic and exciting and and frightening. Um, yeah. Well, and and something that our you know uh, fellow IJA colleague pointed mm-hmm. out in his review, uh, Sam Watermeyer mentioned um, like prisoners, and that was something yeah. I thought about for like a second in this movie because it ha- it flirts with that idea of like because that is an interesting movie about. Mm-hmm two sets of parents losing their two kids and how they deal with it. Now they deal with it. It's a different kind of movie and they deal with it in different Mm -hmm. ways. But again, that's where you could at least sort of have, but it just, this movie doesn't want to be that. No, it doesn't care enough about the characters to really um, delve into that very long. They're just kind of just there to, um, to, to, to sort of just be there and hey, yep. a, a, a little bit of stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, here's where I come from. Here's where I come from. But yeah, just not, not nearly enough. No, no. And then you get Chris, uh, Chris, uh, right. oh, Jesus, uh, Chris McNeil coming in and like yeah. that. I was, I was surprised. like the, the crucifix to the eyes thing. That was, that was cool. I liked it, but I didn't feel anything. She didn't have to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> That's, That's true. Cool. Yeah. And then the fuck. Oh my God. Then the, just the most like. Yeah. The most. That one. Uh, like. So I put in my notes. Uh, so, and this is, I think in the trailer where they have like a little, um, um not medallion, like almost like a Christmas ornament of Reagan, you know, Linda yeah. Blair or whatever. And, uh, so the way they set it up in the movie is like, um, oh, she'll be in the sequel. Oh you know? yeah. And I was literally, I put in my notes. I'm like, because she has some line about like how you know uh whatever she after chris after she wrote this book called uh, a mother's mm-hmm. explanation she um you know reagan uh, like abandoned her and they were like estranged yeah. and everything and i was like ah oh, man uh, they got <laughs> enough money for ellen burst and could not get it up for Linda blair <laughs> uh, but i was wrong apparently i was wrong yeah. because at the very end yeah um even though she doesn't get to see her but um no <laughs> yeah it's so whatever i don't yeah. know it's such a profound. I don't know what their plans cameo. are with the sequel. Yeah. If they're even going to do one, if David Gordon Green's going to be attached. Yeah. But like, yes, as this movie, in terms of how this movie ends and how that is all integrated, the Chris and Reagan stuff, um, it's stupid. I mean, it's yeah. it's only there to uh, to get people in the theater, and that's annoying. Yeah, I, it's I, I don't very even, annoying. You know, I'm yeah. just like I'm not someone that like it's like. Um, I, I'm very reverent about this franchise, but right. Uh, but it, it, the thing I noted in my review is like, this is Universal going back to a formula they helped create with Jurassic World. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. 2015 is the year for me that again, I don't think this is novel, but between that and The Force Awakens, the idea mm-hmm. of like the soft reboot and how close you can make a sequel like the original and still make a ton of money. Um, And we're paying for that format. We still are eight years later and we'll be probably for a while. um, Even after both of us are long gone. So Mm. it's like, you know, and are possessing uh, the studio heads, (laughs) um, which is what uh, William Friedkin said he was going to, Oh, he was was going to do this. That was freaking awesome. (laughs) That he was going to, Possessed and, David Gordon so, Green. I mean, and, and not to be crass, but it's a little spooky. William Friedkin died <laughs> earlier this year, the year it comes out. David Gordon Green, that's probably why. I mean, let's yeah. face it. I just movie bombing and <laughs> not, not bombing. I'm sorry. It's not whatever. Like, Underperforming. Like, Dude, I'm out. Yeah. Like, yeah. This dude said he was going to possess me. <laughs> <laughs> the dude who made the movie. So I can uh, totally see William Friedkin saying that. Again, I listened oh, to him for absolutely. almost two hours. So anyway. Yeah. Um, the other kind of like 
final thing I can talk about really with this is that the bi- one of the biggest failings of the movie for me was that as with any exorcism movie, like there is a line of communication between the demon and the exorcist and the mm-hmm. people that are exorcising the demons. Gun to my head, I like there's nothing to indicate to me that this is like the same demon that that possessed Reagan. There's nothing about this demon. It, are they the same? Is it a single demon and two two girls or is it two separate demons? Like they did nothing to really delve into any of that and that just felt very lazy like un unbelievably lazy and And it it, matters too because basically thematically they try to tie it to the beginning where it's like you have to pick one or the other yeah which ultimately is i mean we're in spoilers ultimately ends up coming to be but it's Mm -hmm. like well why did it have to be that way well because thematically it just did because bookends that Um, made me roll my eyes because like well but it's also just like eh. you're right like what like is the demon so strong that it can do that or like are they beating it like you know i think gosh i don't know if this is maybe something i read but i feel like it is one demon and it's possessing both of them okay but you're right that they certainly don't clarify in the movie and even if they did they don't again it's like i mean you compare it to you know any movie with fantastical elements i mean just anything you have to know what is generally what? And, yeah, and, you need to and establish what is powered rules. how and yeah. and all that. And you know, when you're watching the first Exorcist, you're not like, oh, well, the demon wouldn't be power enough to make her levitate on the bed. It's like you go with it because it's right. fine. But in this movie, you, you, you're because they up the stakes and they make mm-hmm. it much more sensationalistic or sensa- sensationalist, whatever. It doesn't matter. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just about you know who can punch you in the face harder exactly yep yep uh it 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 is just so dull and lifeless i just i uh, yeah it's really boring i mean that's i i I mean (laughs) i feel like we have very little good to say about this movie but it's also boring like Mm -hmm. that's the thing is you it makes you realize that absent you know a script where you know characters and motivation matter and you know, just a, a story that feels like it's going somewhere important, yeah. somewhere that's not just hey, uh, smoke filled room with you know these these two decrepit preteens. It's right. like, you know, if you don't have those things, well, then you're just sort of waiting around for that, and yep. like that's what the round in this movie is the boring part for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like the visual effects of the exorcism and everything is fine. It's solid. It's passable. It's good. But just when it comes comes down to it i just didn't care i just didn't care about what was going on um right. the choice that comes into play like that like you said I, I like i i will play ball if you give me a reason to play ball like if you right. if you give like a reason as to why they're doing this cuz like it just seems really weird that it's like okay we're like if we're following all the rules of all the exorcism like stuff that's happened before and everything like what we are not doing is going to bargain with the demon. Like that's not how it works. That's not yeah. how any of this We works. don't nego- negotiate with, the, exactly, with demons. Exactly. <laughs> and like, like hmm, this demon isn't playing <laughs> fair. Right. That's not cool. That's you know, not it's cool. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I just imagine them being like, no, okay. Okay. 
I choose you. And then, and then, uh, and then it starts going on. They're like, wait, hang on, hang on. I had my fingers crossed. You've got to do uh, both of them. All right. Um, why is Harvey in this room? Oh. <laughs> Rachel's in the other. Oh, he switched them up. Oh, oh that's classic, great. Classic demon joker. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, and I, I get what they're going for that. Yes, uh, like uh, my interpretation of it is that like uh, Norbert Leo Butts, who I really like, and I think that he did a fine job in it, but he's like, oh, like he cracks under pressure. He chooses his daughter, but then presumably because the pregnancy was blessed in Haiti, that's able to do like an Uno reverse card and save Angela instead. Like, <laughs> fine, whatever um i did not know what was going on i figured that only one of them would live and i figured probably yeah. angela because we know her character more and right that was right so yep um and then also there was uh um uh some other element to it that i was going to talk about but i can't remember i don't know we're running long anyway so <laughs> yeah um any other thoughts on the exorcist believer um yeah any anything and and do you, just don't make any yeah. sequels like yeah first, like you i understand you paid 400 million for this i don't really mm. know why i don't think that was really that is just tricky yeah. i think to really that was pay, just for the rights to do a trilogy like mm-hmm. just don't do that man yeah. like blumhouse like they can spend less and franchise more like i yeah. mentioned megan before like not in the podcast, but like mm-hmm. that's one. Of course, that movie cost nothing to make, made yeah. a ton of money. They are going to make sequels to it. I know they mm-hmm. are playing franchises, but like, just do that again. Like yeah. the Blumhouse, fran- uh, their their formula still works, but I yeah. don't think this is the formula applied well at all because they right. ended up I mean, Universal ended up paying the bill, but like yeah. you know they paid big for the rights. The actual mm-hmm. movie itself didn't cost a lot, and they could make a couple other sequels on the yeah. cheap, but they're not going to make that investment back i don't i really don't think yeah i don't think so either i i don't and i don't see like i don't know why they would put so much effort into a finite legacy sequel trilogy again when they have like and i don't know all the rights issues and everything but like Mm -hmm. the invisible man was good like Mm -hmm. build that out do an actual universal monsters shared universe and do it right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. yeah which that also reminded me that it, this was the first time I, I'd seen a Blumhouse movie in the theater in a while. And like, I had just completely forgotten that they have their own little like MCU opening thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all right. With the okay. Purge and yeah. Michael Myers. And Michael Myers. And, and uh, probably a couple other things I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Are any of Jordan Peele's stuff in those technically? Oh. I don't think they would be though. Well, anyway. No, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Go back to the floating chair, the floating upside down chair <laughs> yeah. in the creepy room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's super moody and interesting and scary. I Jesus. think I actually said last year, I think I said I like that production logo. I think I'm going back to saying, no, just go back to the chair with the, <laughs> and the, the spinning chair in the room. A lot yeah. more atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a flipsy flopsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So that's our review of The Exorcist Believer. Um, let us know what you thought. Uh, you know where to contact everyone. I'll put links in the show notes and everything, but it's not a good movie. I didn't like it. Brent, you didn't like it either. Hopefully, nope. hopefully, if there's another one, it's going to be good. But I, I'm just so uninvested in this as a franchise that I can't. I'll be. Uh, I'll have to listen to this episode instead of re rewatching Believer. 
uh, before yeah. it comes out. So, yeah. Um, so that's our review of The Exorcist Believer. And we're running a little bit long, so we can do a kind of a rapid-fire VHS 85 review if you want to do that, if you're game for that, Brent. Yeah. Yeah, okay. let's do that. Okay, so we're not going to spoil it. We'll just kind of talk in, in uh, kind of broad terms overall, but I'll play a clip from the trailer to bring us into it. Uh, so here's a clip from the trailer for VHS 85, and then we will review the movie. We bought a video recorder. And that's when I had the first nightmare. I don't think that you know what you're dealing with. Give me that camera. I started seeing these images. I recognized them. Recognize them from where? Wanna tell me what's on this one? Is that beta? Yup. Nice. All right, so VHS 85 is a is the sixth installment of the VHS franchise. Uh, it's the third installment that Bloody Disgusting has produced and has been produced for Shudder. Um, the premise, according to IMDb, is unveiled through a made-for-TV documentary, five tales of found footage horror emerge to take viewers on a terrifying journey into the grim underbelly of the 1980s. So, Brent, I don't really remember what all we said about uh, VHS 99 last year when you were on the show, but how do you feel about the VHS franchise and how did you feel about VHS 85? Yeah, generally, these are fun ones. I, I like that they're coming out kind of each year. I mm -hmm. like that they're on Shutter. Um, th that's a cool, quite frankly, like. E unless they make some really stupid, bad ones that people really hate, like. I would rather they just come out with like one a year, like around this time every year, mm -hmm. put it on shutter or whatever. Like, I think that's just such a cool like release strategy and just like tradition, right? Like we oh, all yeah. like around Halloween and October, we love that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, appointment viewing for, for horror heads. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, 99, uh, I, I liked overall. I really liked the Aussie's dungeon segment that yes. Flylo uh, directed which is so like great. really demented version of basically like Legends of the Hidden Temple <laughs> yeah. uh, there where it's sort of like a revenge um, sort of plot kind of born from that. Uh, just really twisted and funny. That was definitely my favorite of those five. Um, the rest I thought were pretty good, but that was like by far the standout for me. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's other ones. Overall, I think this franchise is just a lot of fun. And if you like anthology movies, it's just it, it's cool. Like, I think this is doing it better than like other kind of one off. I think they found a good rhythm for stuff yeah. overall. And I think their idea of like, like in this one, too, we see with like David Bruckner, who, mm -hmm. you know, like started out in some of the early ones um, and Scott Derrickson, you know, who have gone yeah. on the idea of like bringing back bringing people who have kind of made it to the big times now of horror mm -hmm. kind of coming back to this um franchise but then kind of bringing new voices in like that's a cool uh that's just a neat thing to see like in this in this community i, I think that's yeah. really cool um oh yeah so yeah that that's just generally i would say 85 for me i didn't like as much as 99 there there wasn't any that i really felt as strongly about as something like Ozzy's Dungeon, either good or bad, I sort of felt like they were generally like um, about the same uh, about the same kind of quality. The ones that I liked the most were were basically one and four, which 
we find out in the this isn't really a spoiler to say that one and four are connected right is yeah that's that spoiler. spoiler no i won't say how but yeah. basically they're essentially two parts of a similar story mm. um those are my favorite the first one I'll, i will say is basically um these sort of seven young people uh whatever going to the lake and, mm. and and water skiing and then kind of tragedy ensues from there yeah. and then the second one is basically the similar kind of story seen from mm. another perspective yeah um, i guess i'll leave it at that without you know going into spoilers mm. i like those two just anyway i like mm. the payoffs that you get in for using the information you know from one yeah um that was to me just the most interesting story just in terms of the way there's kind of like a Sort of like a death cult or a really like a, yeah, this occult sort of aspect of the fourth one that I thought mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, the first one has sort of a very like Friday the 13th thing yeah. where you were on a Camp Crystal Lake and blah, 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 and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of cool. Um, so I like those the most. The other three were just, you know, I liked parts of Green Kill, which is the last one that Scott Derrickson did. Um there's aspects of that that reminded me a lot of Sinister, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, my favorite movie of his. And, uh, you know, he went on to, to, to direct. I mean, that movie came out 10 years ago. But yeah. um, but regardless, there's parts of that sequence that reminded me of Sinister. And I did really vibe with those. Um, nice. So it's sort of to me like those are the ones I really like. The other ones I was sort of on. So it's sort of like like mixed bag. Yeah. As with any real like anthology movie it is it is kind of by design going to be a mixed bag and they're not all going to be great but i i think i basically fall under the same uh the same thoughts as you do um like no wake and ambrosia those the two-part ones sort of the Mm -hmm. connected ones those were really good um you (laughs) we won't go into specifics about this but you had mentioned you had messaged me when you were watching it and you mentioned that there is a stephen king reference in that (laughs) And, oh yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah, and like when I when I saw that, like I just I like in the context of it, I kind of just rolled my eyes a little bit because it felt like well, no one would talk about nobody it. Nobody do, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it would, it was, it made me roll my eyes a little bit, yeah. but very on the nose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the execution of that entire segment, um that slow build toward the violence and the crazy stuff that happens. I was like, I wanted to see them hanging out. I wanted, I, like, it was a fun little, like, hangout movie. Um, and then horror ensues. And then the way that it kind of is expanded upon in Ambrosia, I was a little bit, I was a little bit disappointed at how little it resolved, like, yeah. of those characters. But the writing of ambrosia and the way that it just delivered so much context for what happened in no wake without going into specifics like i felt like that was maybe one of the sharpest written um segments in in the entire movie maybe the franchise like like you don't see like that kind of nuanced like dialogue and uh in just an anthology an anthology horror um segment so i don't know i really yeah it was well that that fourth one is probably my favorite i guess overall the Mm -hmm. ambrosia because yeah it's really it's well directed too because like it's a matter of like you slowly understanding way like okay who is this person we kind of know what's going on a little bit is this like how you find stuff out in that fourth segment 
and how it ties back is really cool. Like I really, I mean, it really is the thing of like between the one and four, like it's almost something where like I would watch a totally different movie about that. That's yeah. why like my, my letterbox burger was essentially like referencing those two. Like yeah. I'd watch a totally different movie. I don't know how they'd structure it, you know, but anyway, like that's the sort of thing I would, yeah. I guess I would I said I was kind of cooler on the other ones. Three and five, Dream Kill, I would say, is like my third favorite. That's mm-hmm. the Scott Derrickson one, the last yeah. one. Because that one's that one's cool. Like the dream sequences, I think you know what I'm talking yes. about without spoiling anything. Oh, yeah. Those are really cool and well done. And that's awesome. Yeah. The other stuff in the police station, yeah, I don't really care as much about. Yeah. The wraparound, I didn't ultimately care that much about. Yeah, um, that didn't didn't really work for me the, all that well. The third one is is pretty cool. It definitely gets pretty gnarly, and that's neat, you know, yeah. stuff about technology. That second one was a bummer to me. I should say I, the that was second one was favorite. the new station, the new station right. one. And so yeah. it, and it, it it's one of those things where it's sort of like it wasn't a lot of it wasn't scary to me. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of uh, I mm, I don't know. The, the the that segment involves basically people they're they're basically in buildings that i guess and this is i guess maybe maybe i'm just i i kind of took the wrong way but i it seemed like the building was getting bombed at some point i, I guess it was an earthquake yeah there were planes in the sky and that was confusing to me too because i thought that yeah. like it was it was it was presented to us as if it was an earthquake and then you see like billowing smoke and you see like planes and in like military aircraft what looked like military aircraft and you think like was is it are they at war or whatever um but that segment for me it's called a god of death i i feel like that segment squandered so much opportunity by just devolving into what I think is just cliched, especially for like this franchise itself. Like it's a cliched, just try, like it's been well-trotted territory. Um, And there's, but, but there is a moment in this segment where someone is forced to do something or has Mm -hmm. to do something. And then the reaction of that person after they've done that thing, I'm trying to be vague. I thought was like, holy, like that's incredible acting. Like that was very like, it elevated it to something that's not like horror. That's like, I feel horrible for this person. <laughs> it it kickstarts in the end. Like it definitely yeah. is one of those ones that at the very end of the segment, I was almost like, okay, that was almost worth kind of what they put us through. But like, yeah, I, I don't want to like bring too much of my own stuff in here, but I think mm-hmm. some of the imagery in that second one is a little bit, um, a little bit distasteful. Mm. Um, I would say, Seeing, seeing a bunch of people like descend and try to like get out of buildings and being like caked with their faces, like caked with debris, the certain ways that they show people. And I know the circumstances are different, although Mm -hmm. that's why I was confused. They they look out the sky at one point, it looks like they're being bombed. So that's why for me, I was like, look, there's just stuff going on in the world right now. That's like, I'm not really feeling too about watching people like fight through rebel and Mm -hmm. like i'm just not game for that and i that's not fair i know that the filmmaker had nothing they they didn't know about that i'm just that's kind of my own stuff but there's also like there have been plenty of other times like buildings have been destroyed and people are fighting with their lives to get out of them yeah you know that enough to know that 
again, for me, look, I don't even, I can't say whether the filmmaker was like, whatever, if they mm. were trying to evoke any of those images, they probably weren't. Right. But for more than anything, it was just kind of like, it was just kind of like a drag. <laughs> yeah. More, where it was just for me, I, it just was like, okay like and it was also that classic thing of in these movies too this is another thing where it's like they wouldn't be filming this oh yeah absolutely and that was the it's, worst segment for that yes absolutely <laughs> that especially you know. especially like 1985 like lugging around right. a massive camera right. like no no and like they try right. to explain a way of being like i've devoted my life to cameras it's like okay i've devoted my life to podcasts but i'm not going to grab my pod <laughs> mic if my apartment is about to collapse are you um, sure? Yeah, that's true. Well, I <laughs> grabbed the RE20. Um, yeah. but, and, and the Roadcaster. I, yeah. Eh. yeah I Point do, taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get like a go bag so I can just put it all in there. But, but it's anyway. kind of the logistical thing in all these movies. But yeah. like, again, in the first one, it's like they're having a fun lake day. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. The third one, it's essentially a um, like a presentation. Mm -hmm. The fifth one, they use a lot of police footage yeah. uh, that would be in a police station. So you have that sort of stuff in yeah. these movies where the, this is a found footage anthology. Right. Um, so that's fine. But the second one is literally where I'm like, they are yeah. trying to get out of this building like come on there yeah. is no way there would be anyone even with a small camcorder or even a oh, phone yeah yeah would be filmed like it's just that really stretch credibility the too, I, so the yeah. idea of like a first responder like appeasing this person when like <laughs> yeah. literally the building is about to come down like no i don't that's not i i don't see that but yeah it was it, yeah. It, the the final final payoff in the second one it, it it brings it but i don't for a lot of the movie i was like or a lot of that specific segment i was like this isn't horror like yeah. this is like a survival drama yeah i would not like a good one in my opinion yeah i would have been i would have been kind of impressed if they would have gone full bore into that um but like i said it just kind of devolves into just a cliched like this is stuff we've seen in multiple segments beforehand in the franchise and i'm just like i don't care enough to to devote the mental uh, energy to to care about this <laughs> so yeah. yeah it made me wonder if they could do one where because you do have other anthology movies where they are not just a wraparound story but they're actually all connected like mm -hmm. that's what made me think with like one in four with like no wake ambrosia like if they could have actually done five different aspects of that story yeah like, that oh, would have been would really be cool. cool um i guess that's <clears> just because i was such a, a fan of how they went about um those two them. segments um yeah so who knows but again like yeah i, I was i'm quite, sort of average on this one overall mm -hmm. um oh i one other thing quick thing i'll say about mm -hmm. this is i liked with 99 they have i feel like they evoked 1999 which is like a time that i remember it's kind of my <laughs> 1985 where sure. it's like i was 10 years old then and they evoke <laughs> like certain things like the skateboarding and oh like, yeah there's one segment that's a lot like american pie mm -hmm. and again the nickelodeon stuff like it's a it's a yep. send up of the nickelodeon stuff a demented send up yeah. but it's all this stuff that it actually culturally touches into there's some stuff in this that's sort of mid 80s but yeah. it's not like that much they don't do the cultural thing i think as well right. as they've done in other especially 99 most recently yes and when they do touch on the cultural stuff of that it is not to spoil it but like it is a punchline um right in some like in the some stephen cases. king thing that's yeah essentially, yeah, yeah that and uh, the way they incorporated in in the framing the framing story the frame story mm -hmm. it's just like it's funny but it just doesn't really 
connect as in in terms of just the general aesthetic that they're going going for. It's more of a punchline than than set like set. Yeah, that wraparound is essentially sort of like a Stranger Things sort of riff. Yeah, and it's like by well, way that of like really have to do with the or... mid eighties. Yeah, that just has to do with a show that takes place in the mid eighties. A yep. lot of people like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas ninety nine again is taking actual things. Um, that people remember from the late nineties, like turn, you know, turn of the century or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Pokemon. It's like, I mean, again, those are just sort of, um, one off lines, but yeah. again, you, the idea that those characters, I didn't really, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really get that much of a mid eighties flair from this. No, so. me neither. Um, my least favorite segment in the entire movie is the TKNOGD. Um, mm-hmm. the VR headset thing, like it just, it, I appreciate the minimalism of it, I guess. And mm-hmm. the visual of like at the end the payoff of like the gore at the end was mm-hmm. pretty rad and fun. Mm-hmm. But even then, like they, they try to do like an eighties vibe, but then it, they just turn it into like a silly, a silly like wink at modern audiences and like like the 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 whole the joke that they do in the thing with the headset i'm like come on like mm-hmm. it's funny one time mm-hmm. seven times like we get it like it's 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 fine yeah. um the name of a device is that what you're yes at? yes okay. it's just yeah uh, i thought that was clever yeah. the first time and it's like they're still doing it hey. yep um, yeah, yep. there's kind of Tron in that, which is like oh, an interesting yeah. one because that's, of course, not a horror movie, mm-hmm. but like that's sort of in the VR scape <laughs> that they're sort of evoking. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, it's yeah. like, okay. yeah. I just thought of the, like during that whole time, I was just thinking of the uh, VR supermarket sweep uh, sketch in I Think You Should Oh leave. my God. <laughs> That's so funny. And that's a scarier segment. It is. It yeah. absolutely that's scarier. is. scarier, yeah. I yeah. don't know how to move the body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, have Tim Robinson uh, being one of these. Yes. Oh, my God. That would be, awesome. be great. That would be crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say, and we talked about it a little bit, but my uh, my personal favorite was Dreamkill, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I was annoyed that that's not its own standalone full full length movie because yeah. like there is enough there to really just make a really cool movie um mm-hmm. and i know that scott derrickson has said that it is in the black phone universe um oh. i don't know like i don't know if there's anything that specifically connects it but i think he said after the fact that it is connected um but i just love the concept like this concept of of police getting videotapes of murders like a week before they happen and mm-hmm. then having to work that out. That is a, that is a killer freaking premise. I love mm-hmm. that premise and yep. the imagery of these videos and the imagery of these kills in this are so like, they have this like cultish feel like this, like they're, it's like, the, it's like quick cuts and like very, very just disorienting imagery. That's like cultish or occultish. It's it's fantastic. I, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, those those like POV style. Yes. It reminded me of the I think what they're what he was sort of evoking is the the home the home movie mm-hmm. segment scenes from Sinister, which yeah. still really really hold up well. Um 
so yeah, that was like my favorite part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the way the actual stuff like at the police station, I didn't vibe with as much. But if it had yeah. been somehow, if those two had kind of worked, there is yeah, Dreamkill is 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 definitely solid mm-hmm. as well. Um, that would probably be like my I guess my third favorite. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, honestly, that's a yeah. weird thing with this movie is you could maybe make <laughs> one and four their own movie and five its own movie and Seriously. then just scrap two and three. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> have, have uh, Neil Blomkamp do short films of two and three. <laughs> yeah. Sell um, sell the so. sell the rights to the framing story to the Duffer Brothers. Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> love yeah. it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I I hope they make more of these movies. Like you said, I think it's a fun annual thing that they can do i think that that like throw it on shutter for for october i will watch every single one that they put out and Mm -hmm. it's 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 fun it's just that's the the end of the day it's fun i rated it three and a half stars on letterboxd um what did you end up rating it i i did two and a half out of five but i i think i gave like 99 like three out of Mm -hmm. five so that's a classic thing of like i don't know maybe i need to like see more like assess more anthology movies and everything is see two out of five seems really generous for believer given Mm -hmm. that i'm not to go back to that too much but like that halloween trilogy i think i gave each of those like two and a half out of five Mm -hmm. but looking back on it i'm like well that seems you know much more creatively accomplished on a whole (laughs) as anything in believer so that's where i almost have to go back and be like well try to bump up halloween 2018 to like a three or something yeah i know i think about that stuff too much but yeah um, that is that is our cross to bear it Um, it is isn't it yeah (laughs) yeah um all right well that will just about do it i think i i'm uh we went over our time a little bit i apologize for keeping oh no but um but brent first of all thank you for joining me this has been a blast as always of course and why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you online on the social medias and where they can find your writing and podcasting and everything. Um, everything yeah, is probably easiest to find on awakeinthedark.com. Um, that is my Facebook, which I think is Awake in the Dark Reviews. My ex Twitter X is <laughs> AITD Reviews. I'm on Instagram and threads now, which I guess are both <laughs> in the meta whatever mm-hmm. so those are both tied to facebook so that should all be awake in the dark reviews mm-hmm. i don't think i have my threads even on my my website but the facebook <laughs> yeah. and the next twitter x and the uh instagram are, are on there um yeah you can find yeah podcast stuff wherever you listen to podcasts and all the midwest film journal stuff is on there and nice and all that awesome and, and on let's see i'm awake in the dark on Box. perfect and i'll put links to all this in the show notes so i shouldn't have like so i i'm i forced you to go through that whole rigmarole but you can find it all in the show notes of the episode and um, i'm on uh, only fans as uh after after dark nice 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 i'm just kidding uh, please don't anyone who's <laughs> listened go to that because it's not me yeah go <laughs> and make sure you lock down the username still awake in the dark and then <laughs> yeah, we can right. sell that to, to brent and, yeah yeah yeah, I haven't. My social media reach is not quite that far yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, we can only dream. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, you can find me at Obsessive Viewer on all the things. Uh, check out the other shows, Anthology, Tower Junkies, and check out Patreon. I'm putting a ton of stuff on there. Um, there is movie like I put up like four or five different posts 
over the last five days. Like I did an immediate reaction for the creator, for Exorcist, for uh, VHS 85, and I did my first installment of a three-part read-along review of The Dark Half by Stephen King. I've been reviewing a ton of Stephen King stuff on there too, so check all that out, patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. You can pledge at a certain tier level and get access to everything, or you can go to the shop and pay for things individually, like I have collections of all of my um, read-along reviews for all the Stephen King books, Billy Sum- all the Stephen King books I've covered, and uh, commentary tracks and all that. So anyway, that's at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Brent, once again, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, I look forward to reading your work and reading all of the fun uh, essays that are going to be on No Sleep October on Midwest Film Journal. Mine is posting on Halloween. So I'm excited what? about that. Yeah. That's prime real estate, baby. It, it is. It is. It cost me a pretty penny. I had to, I had to, uh, I had to grease the wheels a little bit and, uh, and, and it's bribe. Worth it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and there's a cough. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and start playing us out. Brent, once again, thank you for joining me. It's been a blast. And, uh, yeah, we'll have you back hopefully for, Movies we're more passionate about next time. <laughs> so that sounds good. Yeah. Look forward to it. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to let this music uh, fade out a little bit. So I'm going to vamp. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode. Episode 400 is the next episode. Guys, see you guys. And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV, book, and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. When it, when the when the main crux of the drama and suspense is a is a maniacal slasher who is killing multiple people, you kind of have to do something to make that suspense really ring true. And I mean it's admirable the way that at least that first sequence is done, like it's fine, it's admirable, but it also is incredibly derivative. Like even it's even derivative from like 2022's Scream. So like even recently, like like a, within a year and a half, it is it it, it it's like it's kind of copy pasting from that a little bit. And it, this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com/podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.